Welcome to Gateway Church. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad you joined us for service today. We're gonna kick things off with worship. And scripture tells us that when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. So we encourage you, wherever you are, lift your hands in worship, sing out with your voice, press in, and we know that God will meet you. So let's worship the Lord together. Nothing like you love. 
you're holy. Oh, Jesus, you're holy. There's none like you, Jesus. Oh, there's none like you, Jesus. There's no one above you. There's no one greater. There's no one higher. There's no one like Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. We love, we love you, Jesus. It's none like you, Jesus. Oh, cause you are holy. You're holy, Jesus. your way we look to you now we look to you because you are good you're faithful you're worthy you're holy we extend our heart and our faith to you God
worship you, God. We praise you, Lord. You are the King of kings. Wow, what a powerful time in worship. Well, I believe God has a word for you today. As I prayed over the service, I heard one word, and that one word was breakthrough. I believe God wants a breakthrough in your life, and he's going to bring that to you. And many times, breakthrough comes through repentance. And I know that repentance can have a negative connotation for some, but really, repentance is a gift from God. Repentance is when we uh, just turn away from anything that's on the, on the throne of our hearts except for God. And it's when we turn away and we humble ourselves before the Lord and He pours out His grace. Listen to this scripture. Psalms 51, 17 says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. See, this is the sacrifice that God desires, is a, re a repentant and a broken heart. He will not deny a humble heart. When we come to him, he's going to meet us there with loving arms. He's a gracious father, full of mercy, full of grace. And that's when the breakthrough comes. That's when he comes and brings breakthrough in our lives. When we humble ourselves and we lay down our pride and we just say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for what I've made it. Forgive me for, for what's been in the way, Lord. I want to fully embrace you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. Whether you've been walking with him for many years or you just started to get to know God, God wants to bring breakthrough in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that's watching, God. I pray, Lord, that whatever it is that's, that's been in our lives, Lord, that you just want us to turn from, God, I pray that you would come and bring breakthrough. I pray that you would be there with open arms. You're a loving God, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. It's gonna be a powerful service. Pastor Jelani Lewis, our Frisco campus pastor is coming. He's gonna bring the word. It's gonna be an amazing time. So you don't wanna miss it. Open your heart and welcome to Gateway Church. Hey everyone, we hope you find today's service encouraging, uplifting, and refreshing. Here are a few things you need to know about church. Hey, so we're so excited to share that we have special online services created just for your kids and students. There's cool videos, social media hangs, games, powerful worship, and encouraging words. To check out all the options, visit gatewaypeople.com connect. And there are still so many ways you can get involved with the Gateway community. You can follow us on social media, join your campus Facebook group, visit gatewaypeople.com connect, or text connect to 71010. We're always posting encouraging content. And we also have online classes, ways you can help others, worship videos, and other information available. If you'd like to give today, you can do it online at gatewaypeople.com giving or on your mobile app. We also want you to know that if you need prayer for any reason, and I mean any reason at all, text CONNECT to 71010. We have prayer teams at every campus ready to pray for you. We want to connect with you and we want to connect in prayer. We hope you stay connected with us and let us know if there's anything you need right now Thanks again for joining us. And I was like, oh, they want to come over for breakfast. I need to check with Mr. I don't want breakfast. I read the text and I was like, they want to come over for church. So George totally was like all in on it. And I was like, I feel like at first we were really like church every weekend. We still were had like the afterburn of the habit. And then the habit shifted, and then it just became like, it's been two weeks. I forgot to watch church. And one time, I think it was like maybe three. And I was like, when was the last time I watched church? We felt like, I'm not engaging. Yeah. There's no corporate around me to worship. Mm -hmm. And it's just not feeling like church. If there's one thing that I really needed mm -hmm. was not necessarily to worship in the church building, but to worship with my community. Yeah. And so that's when, you know, we had the idea, let's... 
let's call our friends. Let's let's do church together at home. But it was breakfast. more like we just needed to be with them. We needed to be with them. It wasn't like, I think it was just kind of a happy accident. I think this is his party. He woke up this morning. He's like, "Hey, when is the party starting?" The party starting. We're like, going to be here in a couple hours. And they're still coming away with the the service. They're watching yeah. and they're absorbing it. I think what I love about how we've been doing it, which I think people can do in a bunch of different ways. Okay. It can look different totally. than this, but I think our faith and church was never meant to be separate from yeah. our life. Right. It, it, it's it's everything's holistic. Everything's integrated. Right. Our, our relationship with God is, it should infuse every aspect of our life. I mean, there's a whole congregation of people that desperately need this and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And for me, this was a revelation totally. that you that can, it's it. as simple as this. Yeah. And maybe this can be a spark that spreads and so yeah. that our church can stay as a cohesive unit in their individual yeah. homes and then just become stronger. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't realize we were missing it. I did not I know either. that we were missing it. Until that first week we did it. Right. And yeah. then it was like, oh, we should do this again next week. And then yeah. we did it again the second week. And, we're and like, it's we like, should do this we should every do this every time. week. Like, this yes. is amazing. Yeah. now. Whatever wall of hostility that was there, in Christ's own broken body on the cross, he has removed the hostility between Jew and Gentile. If that wall of hostility was removed between Jew and Gentile, then there's no way that there can be a wall of hostility between black and white. Jesus says, I, I, I know that, that you guys are no good without me. I've come to be peace myself, and I want to fix it in the most simplistic way I can. All of you all get in me. Don't stay out there with your individualistic uh, idea of who you are. In my body, I'm creating a new group of people. He ended the hostility. He put it to death. Therefore, I have the greatest fraternity and sorority on the planet. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. Well, hey everyone, my name is Jelani Lewis and I'm the campus pastor at the Frisco campus. So first of all, shout out to the Frisco family. I also want to welcome everyone else that's joining us, especially our Jackson Hole campus, because they have so few COVID cases in that area, they're actually able to gather together physically in their sanctuary this weekend. And so we wanna first of all say we're jealous, but then secondly, we are really excited for you guys. Uh, I am so honored this weekend to continue the series Love thy neighbor, as we are talking about really how we treat one another. And I want to let you know about a great resource that Gateway has to continue this conversation. You can actually go to our unity page, which is at gatewaypeople.com slash unity. And uh, there's some resources there. There's conversations, there's testimonies, there's uh, information from pastors and leaders all over the nation to help us continue this conversation. So I encourage you to go there and check that out. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it up to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and we're gonna start at verse 34. As you are making your way there, let me just share a little bit about my heart for this message because I recognize that anytime we begin to talk about very sensitive topics like prejudice or racism or division, it can be very sensitive. And so I want you to hear my heart as we, as we begin this conversation. I recognize that people are in different places. There are some of us that because we're having this conversation, you are excited. And then there's some of us that because we're having this conversation in your honest moments, you're actually exhausted. Listen, there, there are some of us that because we're having this conversation, it is reopening wounds from, for you because you have experienced racism in the past. And then there are some of us that unfortunately it's a wrestle because we've expressed racism. Then you have a group of people that, that are saying, listen, this is a difficult conversation because, because I feel misunderstood in this. And then there are some of us that, frankly, we just don't understand. I wanna tell you today that wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, here's my prayer for all of us in this series. I'm praying that first of all, none of us would feel condemnation because that's not the heart of God. But I'm praying for those of us that are hurting, that God would comfort you. Those of us that are confused, that God would bring clarity. And for all of us, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would convict us. Because as, because as Pastor Robert talks about, he says that the Holy Spirit 
convicts us to convince us that God has something better for us. And listen, church, God has something better for all of us. So I'm praying that he would convict us today. And so that's my heart. So I want you to go to John chapter 13, verse 34. And just a little context here. In this passage, we find Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, sharing with them the night before he's crucified. And here's what he says in verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. I, I like new things. Okay, so tell me about this, Jesus. He says, love each other. Now, that's not the new part. Here's the new part. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, here's verse 35. Your love for one another will prove or show the world that you are my disciples. Your love is gonna show the world that you are my disciples. The, the title of my message today is, What's Love Got to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do With It? And my subtitle is, Learning to Love Like Jesus Loved. I want us to pray for a moment. Father, I pray in these next few moments, you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I have what my family would consider the quintessential Lewis nose, okay? This, this nose that you see is the same nose that my father has. It's the same nose that his father has and so on. And, it, and it's become really an identifying characteristic of a Lewis. In fact, the Lewis nose in my family is such a big deal that when my wife was pregnant with our first child, I'm sure that my dad was concerned about the health of the baby, but I'll tell you his biggest concern. His biggest concern was, would this little girl have the Lewis nose? I remember going to the doctor and, and uh, we're getting a sonogram. And listen, I, I can't even like read those things. It's like hieroglyphics to me. But, but I remember this, this doctor prints off the picture and I'm looking at this picture and I can't understand anything on this picture, but I am shocked because there is one thing I can recognize, the nose. Listen, that nose was so massive, it actually scared me. I'm just being honest with you. I was scared. I didn't tell my wife, but I was actually afraid. I remember getting in the car and I called my dad. I said, dad, listen, let me just tell you, you ain't gonna have to worry about this one. She definitely has the Lewis nose. And in fact, when, when delivery day came, I remember my daughter was born and one of the nurses walked in and she sees my daughter for the first time. And, and, and no lie, here's what she said. She yelled out, oh, you know who her daddy is. You know who her daddy is. Listen, she says that because this little girl had the perfect Lewis nose. The nurse was able to identify who her father was because of what she saw. In John chapter 13, Jesus gives us what I call the nose of Christianity. He says that the world should no, as they, as they look at us, the world should know who our father is or who we're following because of the love that we have for one another. It, it's not because of our music. It's not because of our denominations. It's not even because of miracles. He says the distinguishing factor for believers should be the way that we love one another. Just a question for you today. I wonder if one of the reasons why we have so many problems with racism and prejudice and division in our nation isn't simply because we live in a fallen world. What if it's because the world doesn't know who we follow? Let me say that again. What if some of the problems that we have with racism and prejudice and division aren't simply because we live in a fallen world? What if it's because the world doesn't know who we follow? In other words, when the world looks at us, they don't know who our father is or who we're following because we haven't figured out how to love one another. Today, I want to talk about loving one another and what it really looks like to love as Jesus did. And so if you're taking notes today, point number one is this. Love looks like a commitment to serve. Love looks like a commitment to serve. In verse 34, Jesus gives us the command, but he actually gives us an example towards the beginning of that very same chapter. 
Let's look at verse one. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So let me pause there. He's, he's continually showing them love, and now he's showing them love even up to the end. So there's commitment here. So we see this commitment. Let's skip to verse four. It says, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Okay, I want you to get this picture. So, so Jesus is, is there with his disciples. Remember, the, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is God in the flesh, the Savior of the world. And he gets up from the table. He wipes the crawfish etouffee off his face. I say that, listen, I'm from Louisiana, so I like crawfish, okay? But he gets up from the table, takes off his robe, ties a towel around his waist, picks up a bowl, puts water in it, and he goes over to his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. Now listen, as he's washing their feet, they are probably in shock. And here's why. Because the disciples understand what Jesus is doing. They understand, listen, because the first century Jews, they didn't have paved roads. And so if you were gonna go from place to place, you would walk on a dirt road with sandals on. And in essence, by the time you made it to someone's home, your feet were covered in dirt and sometimes even animal dung. And so as you would go into this person's home, there was a servant there. The, the lowest servant in the house would actually take a water basin and wash your feet. I remember in the small charismatic church that I grew up in in Shreveport, Louisiana, my pastor would do what I call surprise foot washing ceremonies. Like you would show up, you didn't know they were gonna do that, but all of a sudden as you walked in, you see the water basin in front of the auditorium and he would begin to wash people's feet. And he and his wife, first lady, they would wash everyone's feet in the auditorium. And, and I remember, you know, it was a small church so they could do that, but I remember going up to the front and you would sit in the chair and, and what they would do is they washed your feet, they would actually sing a song over you. So they'd go, Jelani, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you so that I might be your servant and you'll be a servant too. Listen, here's what they were trying to do. They were serving me so that I would be inspired to serve other people. And listen, this is what Jesus is doing in this moment. He kneels down and he serves his disciples as an expression of love. And his heart was that as you see me express love in this way, that you would commit to serving others. When you think about serving, it really is pretty simple. It's simply meeting the need that you see. And that's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus did this all the time. Essentially, when he's in the upper room, he washes their feet because there's no one there to do that. So he says, listen, I'll do that. And we see this all throughout scripture that Jesus, he would see a need and he would meet the need. If somebody needed to be healed, if somebody needed to be fed, if, if someone needed to be taught, Jesus would step in and he would meet that need. But here's what's interesting in scripture. Before he met a need or served someone, he often felt something. I want you to look at a couple of scriptures with me and just see if you can identify what Jesus felt. This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Luke 7, 13, when he saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. He said, don't cry. You see the word compassion used in those three verses. In fact, Jesus even uses this word in, in some of his parables to describe some of the characters. In Matthew chapter 18, he, he uses this word to describe the king who is settling his accounts and decides to forgive the servant of his debts. In this particular instance, compassion was a catalyst to forgiveness. 
So the reality is, is that compassion often precedes service. When you, when you look at the, the Greek word that's translated compassion, it's used 12 times in the Gospels. One time, there's a man asking Jesus to have compassion. Three times, Jesus uses it to describe the character in one of his parables. And eight times, it's used to describe how Jesus felt before he met a need, how he felt before he served. And every time it's used, it always leads to a subsequent action. You cannot have compassion without action. So if compassion is a catalyst to service, the question becomes, what is compassion? The Greek word that translated compassion literally means to be moved in your inward parts, that you see something, you say, I just, I have to do something. The etymology of the word compassion is actually when you break it down, uh, the Latin prefix com, which means together or, or with, and then the root word passion or patai in Latin, which means suffering. And so, so compassion means literally to suffer with. To suffer with. And listen, it's different from empathy and sympathy because compassion always demands an action. I mean, you think about this, even in the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, do you know the only difference between the Good Samaritan, the priest, and the Levite? It was not where they were. It was not what they saw. It was actually what they felt when they saw what they saw. Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 about, about the, uh, the Good Samaritan. It doesn't describe any feelings for the priest or the Levite, but it says this about the Samaritan in Luke 10, 33. Then the despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Listen, when he saw this man, he was moved in the inside. When he saw this man, he suffered with him. He didn't see them. He saw us. He saw humanity. And when he saw humanity hurting, here's what he did. He said, I've got to do something about this. Here, here's my question for you today. When you see black men hurting, what do you feel? When you see brown women hurting, what do you feel? When you see white people hurting, what do you feel? And some of you may or may not know this, but my wife is white and, and uh, it's funny, you know, when we get together with our families, we hang out with my side of the family. It's like the reverse blind side movie. Like there's nothing but black folks. And then there is my, my beautiful white wife looking like Snow White, okay? And then, and then when we go with her family, it's like the blind side, but it's still weird because they're all tall and I'm short, so it's complicated, okay? But, but here's what my daughter, my daughter, uh, who's six years old, her name is Judah, uh, here's how she describes our family. She says, she says, okay, mommy is vanilla, daddy is chocolate, and I'm caramel. Listen, I want to say something to my vanilla and my chocolate brothers and sisters, Listen, I want to speak directly to you because I recognize that there are many other people watching this from different backgrounds, but, but in America, the major tension historically and currently is between black people and white people. And so let me say this to my, my white brothers and sisters. I want to challenge you to ask God to give you a heart of compassion. Because like the good Samaritan, we need you to care. We need you not only to acknowledge, but to become an ally. We need you to care enough to carry burdens with us so we can move forward. To my black brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you to ask God for compassion. Because like the king in Matthew 18 who canceled the debt of his servant, we need you to have compassion enough to forgive so that we can receive healing. And for all of us that are watching today, we need to ask God for compassion because compassion leads us to serve and love looks like a commitment to serve. Here's point number two. 
Love looks like a conversation. Love looks like a conversation. When we return back to the story in John chapter 13, now, now we find Jesus indulging in a conversation with Peter. Now, that's not surprising. Peter's always talking in scripture, but, but when we pick up this story, here's something we have to understand. I recognize that, that love expressed through serving in this particular passage is the preeminent thought. I get that. But I think we would be remiss if we removed looking at the entire chapter through the context of love. Because listen, Peter, or Jesus did not stop loving when Peter started talking. No, their conversation is actually a continuation of this expression of love. So listen to this conversation. This is John chapter 13, verse six. So it says, when Jesus came to Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, well, you don't understand, Peter. You don't understand, but someday you will. So Peter then protests, no, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So then Peter changes his tune and he's like, okay, Lord, then wash my hands and my head as well. Get under my armpits, the back of my ears. I mean, he just takes the whole thing. He's like, just, just Lord, wash me. I want to be with you. It's just like Peter. But here's what's interesting about this, this conversation. I think it has some implications for where we are in our nation that we really need to understand. First of all, Peter asks a question. Peter asks a question, and Jesus does what he always does in Scripture. He gives a kingdom perspective for an earthly problem. In fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but many of Jesus' teachings were responses to questions that people asked. You've got in Luke 10, who is my neighbor? We got the story of the Good Samaritan in Matthew 18. How many times should I forgive? And, and now we have a teaching on forgiveness in Mark 10, James and John say, can we sit in the seat of honor? And then Jesus teaches on leadership. And the list goes on and on and on. He consistently gives kingdom perspective for earthly problems. Listen, I've heard people ask, why, why do we have to talk about this? And especially in the church, why do we have to talk about injustice and prejudice and racism and division? Why do we need to talk about those things? Let me tell you why we have to talk about them. Because the world is asking questions. The world's asking questions. And listen, the news is not going to give them a kingdom perspective for a, a earthly problem. The, the, the people that we follow on Instagram that are celebrities, listen, they're not going to give us kingdom perspective on earthly problems. The only people that are called to give kingdom perspective for earthly problems is the church. So we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Secondly, notice that the conversation led to a better understanding for Peter. Peter, initially, he's uncomfortable with this. He doesn't have a clue what's going on, but as he continues to converse with Jesus, his understanding begins to grow. He said, can I tell you why Satan doesn't want us to have this conversation? It's because conversations can lead to understanding. And understanding can lead to unity. Conversations can lead to understanding and understanding can lead to unity. Jelani, what, what do you mean by this? Well, we'll go to Genesis chapter 11, verse six. And, and remember this story. This is the story of the Tower of Babel, okay? And, and the people are building a tower to the sky and really they're doing this as a monument to themselves. And they get God's attention. God says, listen, I'm gonna come down and I've gotta see what these people are doing. And so as he, he gets there, he begins to look at their work. And here's what he says in verse six. It's pretty amazing. He says, look, the people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That's incredible. So then he says this, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages then they won't be able to understand each other. Okay, get this picture. Jesus says they're unified. Or God says they're unified. They, they understand each other here. So they're gonna be able to do what they're setting out to do. He says, what we need to do is we need to confuse the languages. He doesn't actually tear down the tower. He doesn't remove their purpose. He literally just makes it to where they can't have a conversation. And because they can't have a conversation, they can't understand each other. And because they can't understand each other, they cannot get unified. 
This is why Satan doesn't want us to have the conversation. It's because he hates unity. So let me give you just two tips on how to have a conversation about this. Number one, be courageous. Be courageous. Let me say again to my, my white brothers and sisters, it's going to take courage for you to join the conversation because Satan wants you to be afraid that you'll say something wrong. And so he tries to get you to say nothing at all. But listen, that is fear trying to silence your voice. We need you to speak up. To my, my black brothers and sisters, we have to be courageous because Satan will say to you, well, if you speak up, you'll be seen as the angry black man or the angry black woman and they won't listen to you. And listen, that is fear trying to silence your voice. We have to be courageous because it's going to take courage to move towards unity. Listen, we've got to be courageous because if we're going to intentionally move towards unity, that means we're going to have to have conversations with people of different colors and cultures and classes than us. We're going to have to get around the dinner table and ask questions and listen. We're going to have to invite people to places that maybe aren't in our, our circle or our in-group. We're going to have to step out of our comfort zone, and that's going to take courage. We're going to have to talk to people that we've been friends with for a long time, but we've never discussed this topic. And listen, that's going to take courage, but we need to do this to move forward. So for some of us, that's inviting someone over for dinner or going to their house. And listen, it's not to make them a project, but it's to pursue relationships. For some of us, as we mentioned even in the commercial block, it's, it's having essentially a, a house party, a watch party. We watch the service together. Invite people that have diverse backgrounds so you can connect and you can have a conversation. It's gonna take courage for us to do this, but courage is needed for unity. Here's a second tip. Be understanding. Be understanding. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinion. So let me say again in all humility to my white brothers and sisters, that means we need to approach the conversation with a heart to understand, not to inform. We need to listen and ask questions and understand that as a black man, when I talk about this subject, I may begin to process my pain and I don't need you to pull away. I actually need you to press in with the heart of understanding. To my black brothers and sisters, that means we have to extend grace to our white brothers and sisters who are courageously joining the conversation but may occasionally say something wrong. We don't need to crucify them. We need to encourage them and speak the truth in love because we need each other. A few weeks ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. And here's what I love about this idea of, of being courageous and understanding. When we choose to have conversations that are courageous and understanding, they become a catalyst for demonstrating love. And so a few weeks ago, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. He is a black police officer. And I called him and when I called him, you know, he, he calls me Pastor Jay. So I called him and I said, man, I just want to check in on you. And he said, he said to me, as we begin to talk, and here's what you have to know about him. He's a good man. He's a good husband. He's a good father. And he's a good friend to me. He, he's a guy that got into the law enforcement arena to, to, to really serve and protect. And he, he would be the first one to say, listen, there are some things that we need to get right for sure. But, but he got in it with the right heart and he wants to serve people. And so I call him just to go, man, how are you? And I'll never forget what he said to me. And he's not speaking as a microcosm to, for, for all police officers, but here's what he said to me. And I was surprised by this. He said, he said, Jelani, I feel like we get blamed for everything. I feel like we get blamed for everything. And listen, I had never thought about that. And so we continued our conversation and, and at the end of the conversation, he said, thanks, Pastor Jay. Now, I remember when I got off the phone, here's what I knew. I knew, first of all, because we had the conversation, he helped my understanding. 
But secondly, because I made the phone call, he knew I loved him because love looks like a conversation. Here's point number three. Love looks like a command. Love looks like a command. So if we pick up the story now, still at the tail end of Peter's conversation in, in verse 10, it says, a person, this is Jesus talking, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for their feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. So he knows Judas is gonna betray him. This is what it meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Now, verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, okay? He says, you call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, this is, this is interesting when we think about this expression of love from Jesus. Because Jesus communicates to his disciples, but he doesn't communicate like my, my four-year-old son. His name is Jaden. And, and because Jaden knows he has no authority in our home, he has to be creative on how he influences decisions. So, so my son Jaden will say, hey, hey, guys, guys, I've got the best idea ever. And it usually has something to do with us taking him to his favorite restaurant to eat. Or, or he'll say, he'll raise his hand and say, hey, guys, 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 I've, I've got a suggestion. And I'm thinking, you're four. Like, what kind of suggestion? You don't have a suggestion. Jesus, though, when he approaches this conversation with his disciples, he doesn't say, hey, guys, I've got the best idea ever. I've got a great suggestion. That's not what he says. He says, no, 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 no. I have a command for you. I, I am the teacher and the Lord. I have a command for you. I've got a directive for you. Uh, this is an order, not an option here. Do as I do. Love one another. And, and, and I'm giving you this command, and I'm not saying love when it's convenient. I'm not saying love when it's easy. I'm not even saying love when they love you back. I'm saying love one another. Now think about this. The way, the way Jesus says this is amazing because the context at which he says it, the Bible just said that he knew who was gonna betray him. And yet he still washed Judas's feet. This is amazing to me to think about because I'm thinking through the people as he washes their feet. I'm going, okay, he washed John's feet. Well, John is the beloved disciple. So I'm sure, hey man, that, that, that was pretty easy. He's like Jesus's favorite, you know? Peter, okay, I can see it getting a little more difficult because in a couple hours, Peter's going to deny him, but we know Peter's going to come back. But Judas, oh, really? You're going to wash his feet? Woo. That's on another level. And, and I'm thinking, we don't have the commentary on this, but, but here's what we know about Jesus's character. Here's what Jesus did. The same amount of time and energy he spent on John's feet, he spent on Peter's feet, he spent on Judas's feet. Because love is not about convenience. It's not a courtesy. It's a command. And listen, I don't know if you're like me. My inclination sometimes is, is I don't want to, to love, I, I just want them to change. And yet that's never been what Jesus said. Jesus never said, change one another. He said, love one another. And if we would love one another, that would actually give God the opportunity to change us all. I'll tell you one last story as I close. Uh, I mentioned earlier that my wife is white. And, and I remember when I called her dad, he, he's in Amarillo. And I called her dad just out of respect to ask him, could I date his daughter? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Jelani, I don't care if you're white or black or rich or poor. I just care that you take care of my daughter. And her mother's posture was the same way. But there was a person in her family who she had known for all of her life that felt very differently. In fact, when my wife called her and told her she was dating me and she knew I was black, she said to my wife, you are throwing your life away. Now, I had never even had a conversation with this woman. The only thing she knew about me was the color of my skin. It didn't get better after we were married. I remember the first Christmas that we had, this, this lady uh, came to the house and she brought Christmas gifts for everybody but me. 
But since my wife and I were married, I thought, hey, you know what, we're one, so that gift must be for me too. So I decided I'm gonna go and, and say thank you to this lady. And so I went up to her and said, hey, thank you for the Christmas gift. And she said, uh, Jelani, that wasn't for you, that was for her. Okay, cool, wow. Then the relationship was so concerning as I remember we, we were having conversations, my wife and I, about whether or not we could actually have our child around this person. But here's what we felt like the Lord said. The Lord began to speak to us about not disconnecting, but engaging, about treating her the way that we wanted to be treated. In essence, it wasn't our responsibility to change her. He said, our responsibility is to love her. And so we began to love her. And I'm sure there were people praying. I'm sure that there were conversations that we didn't even know about. All we know is that as we continue to love her, God began to change her. Because as one pastor said, facts don't generally change minds. Friendships do. And so God began to use this relationship to change this lady. And can I tell you, over the years, God has done a miracle. In fact, now I get Christmas presents too. In fact, this, this lady actually loves my children. And can I tell you, the last time I saw this lady, I put my arm around her and I said, she was getting ready to walk out the door and I said, hey, I love you. And she looked at me and she said, I love you too, Jelani. So Jesus doesn't call us to change people. He calls us to love people. What if our prayers weren't just, Lord, change black folks. Lord, change white folks. Lord, change every folk. What if our prayer was, Lord, change me and help me to love others the way that you have loved them. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you the question that Pastor Robert asks every weekend, and that is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message? For some of you, he's speaking to you about a commitment to serve and compassion. For some of you, he's speaking to you about having a conversation courageously and with understanding. For some of you, he's speaking to you about love not being a courtesy, but being a command. Or maybe you're here today and your question is, I really don't even know where to start. Maybe he's speaking to you about the very first part of that verse. And that is, as I have loved you, maybe you need to receive his love today. Father, I pray today that you would help us to love one another the way that you loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and we love you. Wow, what an incredible message from Pastor Jelani. I love what he said about how Jesus calls us not to change one another, but to love one another. And our prayer should be, Lord, change me. That was incredible. And you know, one of the greatest changes that you can make is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you've never done that before, I wanna give you an opportunity right now. I wanna lead you in a prayer. So simply repeat after me, Father God, Go on, say it. Father God, I give you my life. I surrender my will to you. Enter my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're so proud of you. We want to follow up with you. We have a team of people and we have resources that we want to connect you with. So if you would, if you prayed that prayer, would you text the word decision to 71010? That's decision to 71010. And if you want to connect with a pastor or you have a prayer request, text the word connect to 71010. We have pastors ready and waiting to connect with you. Again, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week.